we are continuing in our nest sermon series. We're getting close to wrapping this one up. It's, it's coming to an end. It's almost there. We're on the horizon. The birds were born in this nest. The nest was built. They've hatched. They've grown their wings. They've, they've developed. We're in the process. And now we're on the week learning to fly, learning to fly. The baby birds are going to get out of the nest one way or the other. It's interesting because birds, baby birds, have to get beyond their nest. They might fail while they try, but ultimately it has protection from the parent. That's, that's the life of a believer too. We have to get beyond the, the beginning phases of initial Christianity. We have to take the step forward to say, you know what, God, you, you've been building me up. You've been encouraging me but now it's my time to step out into my purpose in my community. I can't just sit here forever in the nest. Do you know a baby bird that stays in the nest might feel safe for the moment, but ultimately they will die because the mama bird has to go out and keep going forward, and the baby bird will be left behind. As a new believer, you can't just stay stagnant in your beliefs. You have to say, you know what? I need to keep growing. I need to keep going after what God has been speaking to me about. Today, we're looking at David as he undergoes trial under fire. It's, it's one of those baby bird out of the nest moments, the, the story of, of David with Goliath and all that kind of stuff. It's, David could sit in that little field the rest of his life, but he has to leave it at some point. He can't just sit there forever. And so we're kind of jumping into uh, the most iconic story in the Bible in regards to David. It's, it's the moment where he's standing before Goliath. And I had this, this new inspiration. I was reading through this, and it just stuck out, and I never caught this before, and I absolutely loved it. 1 Samuel 17, 43 through 44. This is what Goliath is shouting at David. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Verse 44, Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. So we really only have, what, two, three sentences here from Goliath. There's a whole dialogue going on. It says that he cursed David by his gods. He, he's yelling. We don't know how long he's yelling at David for, David for, but David's just standing there. Doesn't even say a word yet. Completely silent before this guy accusing him, yelling at him, mocking at him. He's just standing there, standing his ground silent but then all of a sudden goliath says one word and it triggers up everything inside of david he says the word field and that's the last word goliath ever spoke field it's crazy think about field that was the place that david spent his entire life was in the field and goliath at that moment was insulting him but the moment that Goliath stepped into the word field, David goes, no, that's my territory. You can't come into my territory. And that's when David lost his mind and took him out. Field, because the enemy will attack you at everything. But the moment you comes into one area that you have mastered by the grace of God, that's the time your spirit rises up and say, oh, no, no, I'm done in that season. I, I have conquered that season and I will take care of you now. See, Goliath rises up 
And he says, I'm a fugitive of the beasts of the field. And all of a sudden, David was reminded, I killed, I killed bears in that field. I killed lions in that field. Oh, I can kill you in that field too. And then he speaks up. He interrupts Goliath, says, no, I got this. That was the last words Goliath ever spoke was field. And it was a trigger word for David to remember all the he time he spent in that field. See, the enemies will speak lies to us and speak whatever and discouragement and all that kind of stuff. But the moment that the enemy steps on a past moment from your life, you're like, oh, no, I'm, I moved past that and you didn't get the memo. Those are moments when you can say, oh, he's really trying to push my buttons and he went too far. I need, I need to get out of this. Because it's easy to be lulled into complacency and discouragement when the enemy starts throwing stuff that you might know that you feel is true about yourself, but the moment that he rises up and tries to take on something for your past that you already moved past, those are the moments that God is reminding you, no, you listen to me, not the enemy. You listen to this, not the lies. I love the story of, of David and Goliath, but what's kind of funny is Goliath was never David's enemy. Goliath was Saul's enemy. And that's, that's kind of weird to think about. Saul was responsible for taking out Goliath, not David. And the mindset between the two is what has come into the church nowadays in North America. See, Saul was completely consumed by his own problems and issues that he never looked past it. And David was so over his past issues and problems that all he was looking at was what God was focusing in on. And that's the two different mindsets. Are you focused on your internal problems that you can't see anything else that's going on around you? Or are you focused in on what God is saying, this is the pain point and I need someone to step up and deal with it? Because we're, we're called to do more than just our own ugh in life. We're called to move past it. And sometimes when we step out and say, you know what, God, I'm going to focus on what you're focusing on, all of a sudden our, our issues start washing away and just start filtering out. Because <coughs> the enemy is like, oh, it's, I can't distract them anymore. They're too focused in on what God's focused on. That's the concepts that we're talking about today. It's getting beyond the nest, getting beyond our own internal mindset and looking forward. Number one, getting beyond the nest. How do you, how do you get beyond the junk you're at? How do you get beyond the frustrations? How do you live like David and not like Saul? That's the concept today, getting beyond the nest. The bird needs to focus on what is to come, not what it currently has. The baby bird can be consumed in thoughts on what it has, and it can just get stuck there. Oh, life is good. My parent comes and comforts me, and I feel all nice and warm and snuggly. I don't have to do anything. My food comes, hand delivers. My taste grows, but it's fine. And it's easy for a new believer to say, you know what, I'm really comfortable right now, and I don't want to be discipled because it's hard and it's painful. That's the same way a baby bird feels. It can be painful going out of the nest the first time. <clears throat> it's, have you ever tried, um, have you ever gone to like the beach and you pick up a giant pile of sand and you try holding on to it 
you, you guys might not get this concept, but in Oregon, we rarely went to the beach, okay? The beach is, like, right here. Like, it's, it's just like a bike ride away, right? You could just drive your car, whatever. But in Oregon, it was like we went to the beach maybe once every four years, okay? And as a kid, we'd run and be like, I want to take some sand home. And, you know, like, we're holding on to it. And ultimately, the sand just starts falling out of your fingers, right? Like, it's, it eventually, even if you get the wet sand, it'll dry up, and then it'll start coming out of your fingers. And it just gets in the car, and your mom gets mad, and they get upset. Um, <laughs> true story. But if you hold on to sand, it just starts coming through your fingers. And that's the same when we try to hold on to our current lifestyle. We try to hold on tighter and tighter and tighter, and God's like, you're not meant to hold on to this. You're meant to look forward to what I'm calling you to. This was a season to prepare you. If David clutched onto his field lifestyle, living with those sheep, we wouldn't have had a new king. We wouldn't have had Goliath defeated. We wouldn't have had everything that David brought about. David was the great, 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 great grandfather of Jesus. What if David said, you know what, I'm comfortable with my field? What, what would happen if you said, I'm comfortable with my complacency? What about the inheritance you pass off to your coworker, to your relative, to your friend? They might be missing out because we're unwilling to go beyond our comfort. So getting beyond the nest, there's three action items really to help us get beyond the nest. A, serve your father. 1 Samuel 16, 11 through 12 says this. So we asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There's still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and he had brought him in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. See, in, in leaving the nest, it's about staying in the nest until God calls you to leave the nest. And it goes both ways. Because sometimes we can say, I want to stay in the nest longer. And sometimes we can say, I want to leave the nest sooner. <laughs> right? We need to serve our Father because he will call us when the time is right. We be faithful where we're at until God calls us up out of it. And we better catch on to that timing. B. Serve your authorities. By the way, all three of these stories revolve around David leaving the field when the time is right. B, serve your authorities. 1 Samuel 16, 18 through 19. One of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine-looking man, and the Lord is with him. And Saul sent messages, messengers to Jesse and said, Send your son David who is with the sheep, your authority. Times when we're, when we're stuck in the nest or we need to leave the nest, we have authorities that will bring us up out of it. A pastor, a leader, a mentor saying, you know what? I am seeing you serve faithfully and it is your time to step out in faith and do this. We need to serve them when they call. And see, Serve your family. 1 Samuel 17, 18 through 19 says, Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are. 
and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistines. Family represents community here. You have people that are at your work that are considered family. I think one of the most mind-boggling, just a, a tangent, if you will, one of the most mind-boggling things, because if you work a standard, like, nine-to-five nine kind of job, you technically see those people you sit next to more than some family members. That's so weird for me. To say. It, like, you start adding up the time, I'm like, man, I spent this much time around people I never knew before this job, and I, I, I talk to this person more than my child today. That's cr- that, it's mind-boggling. They, they're like a family uh, of sense. Are we willing to serve our family and say, I, my God has been calling me to deliver this. My God has been calling. The, the cheese represents a message, if you will. Saying, God, I, I, I'm here to serve this person because you're calling me to do it. Likewise, family members at home, sometimes they're the hardest person to talk to. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm joking, babe. I'm totally joking. <laughs> you were giving me a look already. <laughs> but family members, I'm not just talking about your spouse or your children. I'm talking about extended, too. Sometimes they know how to push your buttons better than anyone else on the planet. But God's calling us to serve them. And by serving them, that brings us up out of the nest into our calling and our purpose. Getting beyond our nest, getting, getting beyond, there's, there's certain things that will call us up out of this nest. It's, it's God, it's family, it's authorities. But sometimes it's awkward because we can fail to launch. Have you ever had those moments where you step out in faith and you're like, yeah. This person's sick. And it's almost like you don't want to be excited that someone gets sick, right? But I kind of do because I'm like, I can pray with this person. Like, I get a little excited. I'm like, oh, I hope God shows up because I'm going to pray. I'm going to step out in faith. And sometimes you crash and burn. It's awkward. It's like, hey, I want to pray for you so you can be healed. Uh, okay. And then you're praying, and they're like, like, I don't feel any different. And I'm like, I was faithful. <laughs> you know? Right? Sometimes we can fail. Sometimes it's awkward. But the question is, after we fail, are we willing to try again? Because those baby birds can jump out of those nests a little too early, and the mom bird has to bring it back, or, or some little kid picks it up and tosses it back in the nest, right? It's crazy. Did you, okay, just another side note, because I studied birds way too much during the sermon series. Did you know, have you ever heard, if you, if you pick up um, uh, a baby bird or an egg and you put it up, the, the mom bird won't love it? Have you heard that? Did you know that's a lie? I had no clue. I was like, oh, I better not touch the baby. I found out that back, it was the 40s or 50s, where kids would go and take the birds and hide them in their house and, like, try to nurse them. And so they, they created this propaganda or whatever, if you will, and just said, oh, the mom bird won't take it back. Turns out they don't have a strong enough nose and smelling ability to tell that a human has been playing with their baby. <laughs> I, was, I felt so lied to. The lies. <laughs> Sorry, I got, I got way, I was, I was like, I was blown away. I was like, what? Um, well, I got to get back into my notes. All right. Failure 
failure to launch. Sometimes when we fail, it's, it's, it is hard to try again. It's like, you know what, I'm going to talk to this person about Jesus, and then they just shut the door, and you're like, oh, I guess not. I don't want to do that again. It feels awkward. Failure to launch. A bird usually fails to launch because it hasn't developed completely yet. Think about that for a second. While all the other birds are, are launching out, sometimes one will be left to left behind for a couple extra days because it hasn't finished developing yet. It's crazy. In praying for this message, I was thinking about what what prevents us from launching sometimes? What do, what, what do we fail to launch from? What has not been developed enough yet? Or what's overdeveloped? We can fail to launch typically when our attitudes haven't developed fully yet. This is to me too, okay? <laughs> our attitudes. What part of our attitude is it? Num- or letter A, jealousy. These are all found inside of scripture with um, David and, and various characters. Jealousy. First Samuel seventeen twenty eight. When Elib, David's oldest brother, Heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. I really think he's he's, uh, projecting his own jealousy onto David. We can fail to launch because of our jealousy. We, we really can. We can say, that person, we start at the same time, but they're doing this now, and it's so much better, so how come? And God's like, are you working on their heart, or are you working on your own heart right now? And we can fail to launch because we're more caught up on watching what the other birds in the nest are doing. And God's like, you didn't pass the season. You got to stay behind. Have you ever been held back in a grade? Don't raise your hand. You don't have to raise your hand. I just realized after I said that, I was like, wait. We don't need to say that. (laughs) There is nothing more awkward than being held back in a grade. The what? (laughs) I'm talking about senior year. (laughs) Super, super senior. That's funny. I've never heard that term. Is that really? that's That's a real thing? Everyone just nodded yes. Must be a California thing. <laughs> that wasn't meant to be a jab, but we need to re we need to go over A again. <laughs> Jealousy. God will hold us back in seasons when, when our attitude isn't ready. When we're more concerned with what others are doing and have, God needs to hold us back because if our focus is on what others are doing, our focus is off of what God is doing. And then we could think, oh, if I had this, and I had this, and I had this, I can do what I need to do. And God's like, mm, that's actually idolatry. I need you to focus on what I am giving you, not what you think you need. <laughs> David was pulled in front of his other brothers, especially the oldest, right after his oldest got rejected by the prophet. 
said, no, this, God looks at, God looks at the heart, and he sees right through your oldest son. And then they had to pull the youngest son, the eighth born in David, and anointed him right in front of the oldest son. There's a little jealousy issue going on here. And now they're sitting at the war camp. David comes up, like, oh, what's going on? What's going on? His, his oldest brother hates him because he stole the anointing. The firstborn is supposed to get anointed. Jealousy. Your failure to launch can sometimes be because of what you think others have. B, worthlessness. Worthlessness. Uh, I'm, I, I don't have enough worth for, for God to use me. I, I don't, I'm not good enough for God to use me. I, I don't have everything. That's an attitude that needs to be adjusted. Worthlessness. 1 Samuel 17, 29 says this. Now what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? See, the, the, there was a projection happening saying this and this and this and this and this and, and putting everything on David, that he wasn't worth it, that he didn't have enough, that he blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden David says, no, I, I need you to stop here. Let me speak. I have a voice. The greatest thing you can do when you feel like you're worthless is to speak up of the worth that God has given you. Say, enemy, now what have I done? Just repeat those words. Can't I even speak? And just start speaking. Because the enemy wants you to shut your mouth up because what's going to come out of your mouth is the word of God. And we all know the word of God is a two-edged sword that can cut anything. And the more the enemy is speaking, the less your mouth is open. Don't believe what others say about you. Believe what God has already proclaimed and knows about you. C, discouragement. Discouragement. 1 Samuel 17, 32. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Oh, you have an entire army who is discouraged. You can see what's happening here. An entire army is just doing nothing for what, 40 days? How long has it been? 40 days now? Doing nothing, sitting on a field because they're discouraged. An army that's supposed to do battle go to war and take care of business is all sitting around in a camp because they're discouraged. Discouragement is powerful. It can turn us from moving forward to stopping us in our tracks. If we're discouraged, we, we won't try again. If we're discouraged, it's like, I'm going to wait till maybe I get a little encouragement. But it says here, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Don't lose heart on account of your frustration. Don't lose it. Don't lose heart on account of your circumstance. Don't lose heart on everything that's going on around you. Don't lose heart from an event in your life. But have the attitude, I am the servant of God, and I will go after it. That's the attitude David had. David's attitude wasn't, I will take care of it. David's attitude was, I'm serving God, and God told me to do it. So it's on him if it doesn't happen. Have that attitude, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is freeing. So if it doesn't happen, it's on God. But God told me to do it, so I got to do it. It's a different mindset. It's not about what I can do. It's what God can do through me. And number three, we find out with baby birds that the, the most, the moment that a, a, a 
parent bird, or if you will, mama bird, dad bird, whatever, is looking after the baby, one of the most uh, intensive moments that that parent bird has is the focus on the baby bird. The readiness to protect it in case it doesn't fly. But it stands back in waiting to protect it. It doesn't like go and like help it fly. It doesn't carry it. It doesn't flap its wings. But it takes flight, and if if it fails, it brings the bird back. There are some birds that will actually go down below and let the baby bird land on its wings to carry it back up. It's ready to protect it, but it needs it to step out on its own. God's protection. God is watching over you and sends protection in different forms. First, first Samuel 19. Um, I'm just going to skim over the people in here, but I want to challenge you. Go ahead and read all the forms and ways that God protected David. But they came in the forms of people in First Samuel chapter 19. And I just want to highlight three of the people that God sent to protect David. A, God sent Jonathan. Jonathan. Jonathan represents covenant friendships. The, the crazy thing about Jonathan is Saul is trying to kill David. That's the issue that's going on, but God is protecting David. Saul's trying to kill David. God's protecting David. And so God sends Jonathan, who is Saul's son, who should be the one to kill David. And God says, no, I'm going to redeem this to protect you. Covenant friendships is what Jonathan represents. God will protect you through people that all of a sudden will supernaturally hear a word of wisdom, whether you're in this state, across the country, or across the world, and, and all of a sudden you'll send a message just saying, hey, think about you, praying for you for blah, 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 and all of a sudden they're like, how did you know? I was going there, right? You know, there's these covenant relationships that God will send and speak through. If you feel a nudge on someone's heart ever, family member, a friend, those are moments that you need to message them. That is that timing. God is sending you to protect, that God will send protection to us. B, Mikhail. Mikhail. You might be saying, I don't know that name at all. That's okay. Read 1 Samuel 19. Mikhail is David's wife. God sends protection through spouses, and through family relationships. It's really interesting. David, David came home, and he was, he was filled with worry, and Saul was chasing him, trying to kill him, and all of a sudden, Saul came up with this master plan of saying, I'm going to wait till David falls asleep, and I'll, I'll, just, I'll just stab him with my sword. That's the plan. That's the master plan from the king, okay? That's, that's it. And all of a sudden, Mikhail sees David come in and goes, I think Saul's going to try to kill you tonight. She has a word from God. Says, if you go back out that way, someone's going to see. But let me protect you. Go help the window and just run away. And then she grabs, and this, and it gets, it gets funny, and I'm going to tangent a little bit because I can. She grabs, ready for this? She grabs an idol from the kingdom. So Saul has allowed idols now into his home grabs an idol, puts it in the bed, and puts horse hair off of it to pretend like that's David, okay? 
<laughs> right? It's, it's kind of, it's quirky. So she gets, this, she gets this word from God, has David escape. She protects him. But when Saul comes in and goes to kill David, he starts stabbing the idol. I, that's a whole sermon on its own. Because the wife is saying, I need, to, I need to make sure that this kingdom is rid of the idols because God speaks. That's just a little thing. It, you know, maybe we'll, I'll preach on this another day, but that's, that's something I got from my notes. I just really liked it. Spouse or family relationships. God will, God will give supernatural protection through your closest loved ones. And see Samuel. Samuel. Samuel represents the authority of God. This is pastors, this is mentors, this is, this is people that have the full authority of God on them, and God will send protection through them over you. There's so many times that I, I will be fully, fully asleep. I, I sleep pretty hard. And all of a sudden I'll wake up and then someone's face will be in my mind, and I'll be like, okay, I'll, I'll pray for them. Like, I don't know what else to do at, at 3 in the morning because I can't go back to sleep now. <laughs> I'll just start praying, and I'll find out crazy things happen. The next day, I'll text today, hey, I was praying for you last night. Oh, you wouldn't believe it, blah, blah, this was happening. And I'm like, oh, that was a life and death prayer. And after those moments, I started taking those very serious. We need to cover those that we're spiritual authorities over. We need to cover them. Let's pray. Lord, You are, you are beyond wonderful. You are beyond amazing. I, I'm absolutely blown away that you have the audacity to build natural illustrations into this world that represent the spiritual life of a believer. Thank you for giving us this understanding of a baby bird leaving the nest and, and having it apply to your scripture and ultimately to us for us to apply it today. We are too mature to sit in a comfort nest for the rest of our lives but i pray that we would have divine encounters where we could step out in faith into the relationships we have in our lives that we could step out and say god speak through me to these people lord we i pray for miraculous decisions for jesus i pray for miraculous signs and wonders i pray for all the healing you want to send but god we want to see our communities transform forever in your mighty name Amen.